This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, Liam Brady is one of the greatest players we've produced. Indeed, he's one of the greatest players ever to play the game anywhere. He had a glorious spell at Arsenal and then he moved to Italy during a golden age, really, in Italian football, just after they'd won the World Cup. I think it was 1980 that Liam went and... Recently, RTE broadcast a documentary, The Irishman Abroad. It was the story, essentially, of Liam's spell in Italy, his experience there. It was a roaring success. And Liam emerges as what all of us who know him believe him to be, a highly intelligent, very emotional and very funny man. But above all, a great player who could always do his stuff on the big day. And it got a huge reception, as I say, but maybe you haven't had a real experience of Liam as he really is. In the stands early days, well, in April 2020, actually, which is, what, three years ago now, I asked Liam if we could do an interview about his career and his life at Arsenal and, of course, the seven years he spent in Italy. It was a great experience, and I think many of you may have heard it the first time round, but many of you may not have. It's in our archive, and we've decided to play it because of the success of the documentary and because Liam is a great representative of Irish soccer and talks very movingly about his time in Italy and indeed at Arsenal. So it's a pleasure to replay for you an episode of The Stand we did in April 2020 when I talked to Liam at length about the golden age of Italian football, of which he was very much a part, and his career in general. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, last week in the Irish Times, uh, because there's no... Uh, football happening in the Irish Times and indeed in the Sunday Times. Uh, Graham Suness talked in the Sunday Times about his time uh, in Italy and in the Irish Times. They uh, began to speculate on the uh, greatest Irish team ever. And in the greatest Irish team ever, uh, the midfield was John Giles, Roy Keane and Liam Brady. And I was thinking about that during the last few days, and I have to say, I couldn't think of a better midfield anywhere in the world in history almost than those three uh, players. Another thing 
that I saw recently was recommended to me by Liam Brady. It was a fabulous documentary about Diego Maradona and his time in Italy where he played for Napoli. Napoli were a Cinderella club really from the south, the poor, impoverished south of Italy. And uh, with Maradona leading them, uh, they went and won Serie A uh, and were very successful uh, also in Europe. Um, but of course, that all ended in tragedy. One thing that didn't end in tragedy was Liam Brady's uh, spell in Italy. He went there uh, in, I think, 1981. Uh, and he joins me now to talk about the great players that he played against them, among them Maradona. Liam, uh, you went there from Arsenal. Uh, was it 1980, 81? It was 80, I mean, 1980. Uh, we lost the cup final to West Ham in 1980 and also a European Cup Winners' Cup final yes. against Valencia on penalties when I missed one of the penalties. So uh, it wasn't, wasn't <laughs> the, the best send-off um, that uh, I wanted. But uh, I went to Juventus, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, before I ask you about uh, the players and the culture in Italy, that midfield of you, John... And Roy would have been something else, wouldn't it? There'd be no no wimps anyway. No, well, there was, uh, uh, you know, a lot of passing ability and um, probably I would have been the player who played more offensive than the other two, you know. I probably would have yes. been yeah. the one that's getting up around the uh, edge of the box. Uh and you've got Keynes box to box, and you've got Giles running running the show with uh, picking the well, ball up yeah, from the yeah. back and starting moves off a bit like a quarterback in uh, in American football. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, I might have got on with him then, Roy. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I wonder who would have been the boss, but never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> it certainly wasn't going to be me, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. When you went to Italy, it was really a golden uh, age for Italian football. Uh, they won the World Cup uh, in 1982, of course. Uh, but it was the place to go for many of the great players of the world. Zico, the great Brazilian, uh, Maradona later um, uh, in, in the 80s. But they had, uh, and the Juventus team you went to join had some wonderful players, uh, Tardelli, uh, Marco Tardelli, who, of course, was uh, to come to Ireland with uh, Giovanni Trapattoni. Now, Trapattoni was the coach when you joined. That's right, Eamon, yeah. Um, yeah, I joined the team that... Uh, uh, they hadn't won the league. They'd won the league, I think, in 78. Uh, I think Inter won it in... Uh, they were, I think you went... Just won the league in 77. They hadn't won 78, 79. There were other teams that won it. I think Inter won it in 70. No, Inter won it in 79, 80. Uh, <clears throat> so Juventus hadn't won it in a couple of years, but they had some brilliant players, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, seven, I think there were seven Juventus players in the Italian squad that won the 82 yes. World Cup. Uh, and six of them were in the starting team. And if my memory serves me right, Dino Zoff was the goalkeeper. Gentile was, was one of the yeah. defenders. Cabrini was one of the defenders. Tardelli was in midfield. Rossi was up front. And Causio, I think, came on and played in the final. So uh, it was uh, <clears throat> a team with 
with, with really great Italian players. Yeah, Roberto Bezzica. Yeah, he was injured for that 80s. He would have been the centre-forward in that team, but he was injured and he couldn't go to the World Cup. So uh, that was a big blow for Italy, but they overcame it. If you remember, they had a poor start. I think they drew all three of, uh, of their of their group games and people in Italy, particularly the media, were screaming, come home, you're a disgrace. And uh, they yes. went on to win it with Rossi really coming on fire. He didn't score in those first three games and then he scored, I think, two against uh, two against Argentina, then three against uh, Brazil and then one in the final. Yes. So he scored six goals in three games, Paolo. Uh, I played with him yes. in my second year at Juventus. Yeah, I, they, I mean, the, the Juventus team you played in was, I mean, Tardelli scored uh, the, the killer goal, didn't he, against Brazil? There's that wonderful he scored celebration. A he, he, yeah, it was 1-1 and he scored it to, to, to put them 2-1 and then Altabelli got the, got, the, uh, got the third goal in the last five minutes. And they really were great. And uh, <clears throat> like they beat the best probably Brazilian team that I've ever seen. You know, I didn't see, I obviously saw the yes. 70 World Cup team Brazil win, but, uh, I, you know, I was only 14 then. So, I, you know, uh, I wouldn't have been able to compare like for like, but certainly the Brazilian team in 82 was fantastic. And uh, a lot of those players, I was just looking at it yesterday, preparing for the podcast a lot of those players yeah. ended up coming to Italy you got Junior Falcao uh, Socrates came yes. and played for Fiorentina uh, Falcao was at Roma uh, Roma Cerezo uh, came and played with, uh, with Roma with Falcao a bit later on than Falcao and uh, of course you mentioned him earlier on Zico who was an unbelievable footballer he went to Udinese uh, which really did, was yeah. an unfashionable team to go to and I think if Zico had gone to one of the big teams uh, that was that were like uh, in in the running to win league titles and, and so forth I think he would have been an even bigger name in Italy he was absolutely fantastic and uh, I think Graham Sunis is, is I wouldn't say spot on for Maradona for me Maradona would have been the best in my time there but uh, Zico wasn't far behind or nor was Platini yes and uh, uh, Graham uh, reflecting last week in the Sunday Times about his time in Italy of course, Graham went to Sampdoria. He said Zico was the best he ever he ever played against. I'd like to go back though to Rossi, Liam, because goals were so precious uh, in the Italian game, and he was a, a great goal scorer. Uh, he was uh, he wasn't the big Liam, was he? He's quick. Uh, no, he was a, he, he was a poacher, Eamon. You know, yeah. he was a, like a Lineker. He was he he was a, a bit smaller than Gary Lineker, but he he was electric in and around the box. He scores he scored nearly all of his goals in the box. He was great at getting to the near post uh, before the defenders. Uh, you know, little dummy runs in the box, and he could link up. He could get in on one twos and things like that. Very intelligent player. Um, you know, a real goal poacher, a really, really good player. Going into that team, Liam, at that stage when you went uh, in 1980, I think uh, Italian clubs were only allowed one foreign player. Well, that's right. I mean, if I could give you a bit of background to that, can I? Yes, of course. 
Yeah, well, in 1966, Italy got knocked out by North Korea in the World Cup here in England, and uh, uh, it was a you know disgrace. And 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 there was a lo- an awful lot of foreigners playing in the Italian league at the time, and they kind of said, "Well, these foreigners are stopping uh, our our own players, our homegrown players, from being developed." And uh, a bit like that debate has been in England in recent years. Yes, so many foreign players playing in the Premier League, uh, so. They decided to shut the borders down. No more, no more foreign players uh, until 1980. Uh, the, the foreign players that were in Italy then in '66 could stay, but they couldn't bring in anyone else. So right. um, they opened up the borders in in 1980. I went to Juventus. Uh, Falcao went to Roma. Prohaska, Herbert Prohaska, a very good Austrian player. Uh, went to uh, went to Inter Milan. Rudy Kroll, the great Dutch defender, went yes. to Napoli, and it began to grow from there. And uh, after two years, uh, they allowed another foreign player to come in, so every team could have two players, and that was up till about eighty eight, eighty nine. And uh, there's there's a real correlation there. I mean, if you get the best players around the world and you put them in in a team with very good Italian players. You're going to be successful, and uh, the uh, Italian teams began to make inroads in the in the European Cup, as it was then, and then the Champions League going forward. Yes, and of course, it produced that great AC Milan team uh, that you know was unforgettable. Really, it was an amazing team. That was after your time in Italy, but um, they well, were... it was a little bit. Uh, it was a little bit after my time, but I knew the players. I played against the players. Uh, yeah, when uh, when um, AC Milan yeah. changed owner and uh, the infamous uh, Silvio Berlusconi <laughs> took over, he, yeah. he splashed the cash aim on yeah. uh, initially on on Hullet and uh, and Van Basten, not bad for starters, no. and then he got Rijkaard a year later. So that really was the basis of a great Milan team. And as you say, you probably wouldn't see the like of it again. Saki was the manager and they had, they had Baresi at the back, Maldini at the back, Costa Court at the back, uh, Ancelotti, who's now manager of Everton, great lad, great player, a bit yeah. like a Sunish kind of player. Yes. And then you add those three Dutch guys with them and, uh, well, bingo, you've got what it takes to win everything. Yes, probably well, one of the greatest teams uh, in history of the game, uh, really. When you went to Ju- to Juventus, uh, Liam, um, the culture, was, a lot of English players, quite a few English players had gone over the years. That they'd usually not um, adapted uh, to the way of life, the culture, to learn the language. But you and your wife, Sarah, learned the language. You seem to love uh, the culture uh, there, how difficult was it to learn the language? Uh, well, it was quite difficult because I, I didn't, uh, I didn't really know I was going to 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 Italy till very late on. I, I thought I might be moving to uh, Germany and to Bayern Munich, but that didn't uh, materialize. And uh, it was only uh, late on, probably when I started back pre-season training at Arsenal in 1980. So you're talking about early July that I knew that the move to Juventus was was going to happen and I, I didn't prepare in any way so it was quite it was quite hard uh, and 
what we did is we got a, a personal tutor and uh, uh, she she was very, very helpful. And I reckon that after about four or five months, I could understand what more or less what was being said to me. And yes. then probably after a year, uh, I was speaking quite well. How important was that uh, to your football, uh, to being part of the team in a real meaningful sense? Well, I wanted to make it work, I mean, It was my, my choice to leave Arsenal. Yes. You know, some players leave, and I'll probably go on to talk a bit about the uh, British players that came uh, to Italy along the line. And some of them, uh, the clubs couldn't refuse the money they were offered. So yeah. they talked. They told their player, look, we're, <laughs> we're going to sell you. Uh, and it was usually quite lucrative to the player to move. But in their probably hearts and minds, they didn't really want to go. And I'm kind of thinking of somebody like Paul Gascoigne or maybe Ian Rush. Yes. Uh, see, they were different to me in as much as that. They were probably happy where they were. They were winning things. Gazza was playing for somebody very happy at Whereas, and he probably didn't want to go, but I wanted to go. I wanted to make a break. Yes. And uh, I think that kind of uh, stood me stood me well in as much as that. Uh, it was my decision to go and I was going to do my best to make it work. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Juventus such a great club with a great history, Liam. Uh, it was um, owned uh, by the Agnelli family that, they were the owner. He, Gian, Gianni Agnelli, he was allegedly a playboy, but they owned the Fiat Motor Company. They're very wealthy, but it was a huge 
club, I mean, uh, the kind of aristocrats of Italian football, would that be fair to say? Yes, yeah. You know, Fiat probably became a huge company at the turn of the 20th century. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, Agnelli wasn't the first of the the, the, the big businessmen running Juventus. Uh, he came along uh, probably well into their history. He probably came along in the 50s, whereas Juventus yes. have been going since 1920, 1930. And uh, uh, Agnelli came in and, uh, you know... Uh, a big businessman, a big ego, and he wanted his team to be the best team round. And they signed John Charles from, uh, in his time, they'd signed John Charles from Leeds United, That's I think, right. and they put him in partnership with a, a little Argentinian called Omar Sivari, who was an absolutely brilliant player, a bit like Messi, a bit like Maradona. So they're an unbelievable combination, those two. And they had great, great years then, but they, they couldn't win the European Cup, Eamon. It took them a long, long time to win the European Cup. Right. And and that was the Holy Grail. That was the Holy Grail. They'd beaten, beaten in a few finals, and uh, uh, when they did win it, uh, they won it in... Uh, in a, a, a game that nobody really wants to remember. It was the Heysel final uh, in 85 and Platini got the winning goal, but uh, it was, you know, it was uh, overshadowed quite rightly by uh, the tragedy that took place on that night. Now, we remember uh, Giovanni Trapattoni uh, for a kind of, with mixed feelings, um, but there's no doubt uh, that everyone in football respects his record and what he did. What was he like uh, to to play for when you went there first? Uh, he was great. There wasn't a lot to be said between us because he didn't speak English and I didn't speak Italian. Yeah. So it was kind of instinct, you know. He just yeah. kind of told me where to operate, where he wanted to operate. But he didn't really. It's a bit like someone, uh, you know, you hear the trainer of a racehorse saying, well, I don't tell the jockey what to do. He knows what to do best. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to tell him how to ride a horse. He's the jockey. Uh, it's a bit like, it was a bit like that with me and Trapattoni. He just said, go out and play your game. You're playing a dance player in midfield. I played with Tardelli, uh, all action, uh, as you remember. Yes. Uh, and, and tough as well. Very, very hard tackler. Uh, and a little guy called uh, Farino, who was like the holding man in midfield player. Yeah. Uh, holding midfield player. And I had the freedom to to go forward, uh, and that's what he wanted me to do. But he he was uh, an extraordinary guy. I mean, if I can tell you a story, yeah, uh, we were trying to settle into our apartment. We wanted to get all stuff for the apartment. I wanted to get. I love music, still do, and I wanted to get uh, a really good stereo uh, equipment. And Trapattoni said, "Oh, I know somebody in Milan. Uh, he knew the the Sony dealer in Milan." Yeah. And, uh, he drove me to Milan. We we went in. I selected my uh, hi fi <laughs> uh, 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 equipment. I came back to the apartment and uh, I said, "I'll need to get somebody to fix it because I'm hopeless with these things to put yeah. it together." You know. Yeah. And he said, "Don't worry, I'll come round." And he came round the following day and he set up my. Uh, hi-fi and he was lying on the floor you know putting wires together doing it and things like that Uh, and that was the kind of man he was I think he was he was uh, uh, wanting to help me but he was also thinking well let this lad settle in well and he'll be better for it and I I know we've had our arguments you know particularly when uh, uh, Trapp was uh, was coach of the Irish team but when he had 
when he had players who were really good forward players, he wasn't a defensive coach. He right. was shrewd. He was, uh, yeah, he was. He, he he wasn't he wasn't all about defenses. No, you know, no. when he got when he got Platini and Bonyek in his team, I think that showed. You know, yes. they were uh, they were a marvelous partnership at Juventus. Yeah, and you um, you certainly paid him back. I mean, the Juventus won the two championships when you were there, um, and uh, you amazingly. Uh, you, I mean, you must. have... Uh, you must have some bottle. You, the se- the second of them uh, was when you knew that because of the one player rule, uh, Michel Platini was going to come and replace you as Juventus has permitted one foreign player. But well, you- it was going to go to two, Eamon, But yeah. we'd already done the deal with Bonyek, and I expected to play with Bonyek. But right at the last. Knockings probably about three games before the end. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, the decision was made to sign Platini, and I would have to make way. And uh, yeah. we were in the running for the title with um, with Fiorentina at that time. We were neck and neck. And the last game, the, I should say that Boniak was a fantastic uh, Polish player, wasn't he? Very good. Oh player. yeah, he was. He was brilliant. Yeah, he yeah. was the best Polish player. You know, if you remember in that eighty-two World Cup. Yes. Poland got to the semi-final, and it was probably on the back, mostly on the back of what Boniek did in that in that World Cup. So he was he was a great he was a great player as well. He was, yeah. Uh, he- but it came down to that we won. I think we won. We won the last. We won the third last game. Then we won the penultimate game. Then we went into the into the last game having to having to win um, against Catanzaro who were they Liam? Catanzaro well actually Claudio Ranieri played for Catanzaro there you go Eamon there's a really? fact you'll, <laughs> you'll never you'll never know. they were a southern team right down uh, at the tip of Italy and not a very nice place to go kind of uh, uh, how can you uh, put it it was a bit like going to Bolton when Sam yeah, Allardyce yeah. was manager <laughs> do, you, do you get it you know I do uh, get that it, yeah. you knew you were you knew you were going to get roughed up and they, yeah. were, they were always good for a few surprise results you know yeah uh, and you and had to win the, did you we had to win we were neck and neck with Fiorentina we had to win and incidentally if if Fiorentina had a won that day it would have gone to a playoff uh, oh wow now I've never heard of a playoff before in the league usually it goes down to goal difference but yeah. in Italy at that time it was going to be a playoff but uh uh, we won, and uh, and Fiorentina only drew away to Cagliari, and we won the league by a point. And you had to take a penalty. <laughs> um, it was nil nil. I take it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was nil nil. And what stage of the game? I think it was about twenty minutes to go. But uh, after they told me um, that I wouldn't be staying at Juventus, that Platini was going into time place. My initial reaction was, oh, well, pick somebody else. I don't want to play, you know? Yeah, right. I got, you know, threw my toys out of the pram. Yeah. But uh, 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 thinking about it, you know, I was never going to do that. So uh, I did say to Trapattoni, though, I won't take penalties anymore. I don't want the pressure. And he said, okay. And um, we had a, a centre forward called uh, Verdes, uh, who went on to play really well for AC Milan in future years. Uh, but he was the designated penalty taker, but he'd been substituted when uh, when um, 
the penalty came around against Catanzaro. And, yeah. uh, well, nobody wanted to take it, to be quite honest. <laughs> it was a mass, mass uh, bottle the Italians are, the Italians are great when they're winning 3-0. They all want to take it, you know. But yeah. when it's 0-0 and there's something on it, yeah. That's why I never really fancy Italians when it comes to a penalty shootout. Yeah, yeah. And now I've been proved wrong. They have won them, yeah. But uh, uh, I, I, I took it anyway. And uh, I, I scored and we won the, we won the title and... Uh, at least I went. I went away on a on a on a high note. Absolutely, and I know um, from my own experience in Italy and talking to Italian people, it was never forgotten that you did step up. Did you feel a bit of heat, Liam? No, because you're 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 concentrating. You're in the middle of the game, I mean, you're concentrating on the game. You know, you're yeah. you're not thinking of you know, you're not thinking. It was only it was only afterwards that kind of dawned on me what what had gone on. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah. it was it, you went out on a high. And, and I tell you what, the bonus for winning the league over there, Eamon, was pretty pretty good. So I was never going to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to ask you about the players that were in the league at that time. I mean, for Baresi, for example, the great great defender. I mean, I I was doing the research. He was only twenty two. Uh, when he, I think when they won the World Cup, um, and he went on to have a very long and distinguished career. He was one of the great defenders. Maldini, another of the great defenders. Um, yeah, you had those players. You had you you, you had Baggio, who was an unbelievable oh, player yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 a fantastic player. Um, and, uh, was, wasn't he also? Yeah, Bessica, but Bajo was like 10 years after him. Yeah. Right. Like, what happened then is, is I went to Sampdoria in 80, 80, 82 after Juventus and they signed Trevor Francis. So it was me and Trevor Francis at Sampdoria. Juventus had Platini and Bonnier. Roma had uh, Falcao and Cerezo. Uh, Fiorentina had Socrates and Passarella. Yes. They, every team had like marquee kind of foreign players. Yes. And... Uh, Put them with really good Italian players. You're gonna you're gonna have success. Roma uh, won the league in '83, and then they had really good players. Bruno Conti above all. You remember Bruno Conti in the '82 yeah, World yeah. Cup? I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they had some. Falcao was a was a brilliant midfield player, Brazilian midfield yes. player, and they they won the league in '83. In '84, they got to the final of the Champions League or the European Cup. And they lost to Liverpool at home on penalties. You remember Grobler yeah. kind of shaking his legs? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was kind of the start of Italian teams beginning to make inroads and in winning the European Cup. Yes. And I think, that, as I say, the correlation of having good foreign players uh, together with, uh, with, with the Italian players uh, made that possible. So Juventus won it in '85. Uh, with uh, Boniek and Platini and uh, they were brilliant all the way up to the final the final is forget, forgetful for, for what uh, forgettable for what we've talked about but then that side AC Milan came along Eamon yes yeah and Roy Card Van Basten and hold it 89-90 yes um, uh, Milan won it yeah. uh, with the, the Italian players I talked about you mentioned Maldini Baresi yes uh, Ancelotti, uh, Donadoni, uh, really great Italian players. And then 92, Sampdoria got to the final against Barcelona and they had Mancini and Viali as their, as their strike force. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, played with so. Mancini, uh, Liam. 
Yeah, well, Mancini was bought by Sampdoria when I went there, and he was only 17 then, and he was a kid with the most potential in Italy. That's what he was nominated. He was nominated as the golden boy. Uh, and uh, he went on to prove uh, the people who bought him right. He was a tremendous player for for uh, uh, Sampdoria. He he won the league with them. Sampdoria, it's a bit like Leicester winning the league. Yes. You know, Sampdoria winning the league was an unbelievable feat. And then the the, the following year, they got to the final. Uh, of the of the European Cup and lost to the, in, a little bit unluckily to to Barcelona when Coleman scored a free kick. Uh, but really, this was the, this was the time now when uh, the foreign players and the real good Italian players began to uh, have this impact in in the in the European Cup that you know every yes. year they were they were going to win it or they're going to go close to winning it. It will be, I think, remembered as a. A sort of golden age in Italian football. When well, you went then to Inter, subsequently, and I was. I went to Inter. I went. I went to Inter from Sampdoria. I played really well from Sampdoria, and Inter yeah. came and bought me. And I went and played with Karl uh, Heinz Rummenigge, yeah. Alta Belli, yeah, Karl Heinz Rummenigge, Bergami, Bergami, Ferry, Zenga, the goalkeeper, Baresi. Um, uh, there was a, a, another Baresi, it was Franco Baresi's brother. Uh, oh, okay. Giuseppe Baresi, they were both both really good footballers, but Baresi, the AC Milan was the was the top man. Right. But his brother was very, very good as well. Uh, Calasio came and played for us. Marco Tadelli came and played for Inter Milan when I was there. So uh, we, we didn't, we, we weren't as successful as we should have been. Uh, but that was the time then that we began to be, it was really, competition in Italy. Maradona yes. came. Zico came to Udinese. Yes. Socrates came to uh, came to uh, Fiorentina. Passarella was at, uh, at, at Fiorentina. Sunas came and played. Yeah, uh, for Sampdoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was it, it, that was the time I think that Italian football began to take off. And then when they opened it up, I mean, in the late eighty two, another foreign player. Yeah. Uh, well, then they were in business because, uh, as we said, Milan, uh, that team for Saki with uh, Hullet, uh, Van Basten and Rijkaard was something else. It really was, yeah. Just to uh, talk about Maradona for a moment, you actually alerted me to the fact that the Channel 4 documentary was on a couple of weeks ago. It was very, very uh, intriguing. Uh, and, uh, of course, it all ended uh, tragically, really, um, he got involved with cocaine and the mafia and a very, very sad ending to his time uh, at Napoli. But uh, there was spectacular success as well. And there's a wonderful photograph of you um, uh, as captain of, I'm not sure if it was Inter or... Ascoli, 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 where you ended your career. Yeah, yeah. And you're ex- exchanging the banners in the centre circle before the match with Maradona. Tell me what impression he made on the Italian game, Liam, uh, as a footballer and as insofar as you could judge it as a man. Uh, well, never got to know him as a guy. Uh, was, you know, there was a, a big distance between uh, Milan and Naples. Yes. But, uh, 
you know, he was he, he was a party guy. Uh, everybody knew that. He was either in the papers for what he'd done on the pitch or in the papers for what he was doing <laughs> off the pitch. Uh, he was uh, something else. I mean, you know, and he was a great lad on the pitch. If I could compare him to somebody in, in modern-day football, you compare him to Messi. Yes. He never rolled around on the ground. He never he never looked for – he never really dived and things like that. He obviously, if someone hit him in the box, he would go down and he'd get his penalty. But he wasn't really uh, a prima donna by any means. He was, uh, he was a good lad on the pitch. Uh, he played the game fair. Well, that's not quite right after what he did in the 86 World Cup. But, you know, I, I think he chanced his arm there, yeah. if you excuse the pun, and, uh, and, and got away with it. Uh, but on the pitch, he was uh, really, really difficult to play against because he, he couldn't knock him off the ball. He was so strong. He had that low center of gravity, really strong legs. And he could just twist and turn anyway, uh, Eamon. And, of course, yeah. if he got up around the box, he was just a genius where he saw some of the goals in that documentary. He could bend the ball with the inside of his foot or with the outside of his foot. He could lob the goalkeeper. Free kicks, if he got a free kick, anything from 20 to 25 yards, you were in trouble. Yes. Um, really, really great player. And, and like Na- Naples uh, had won, I think, one one league in their history, uh, uh, and never looked like you know being uh, title contenders till they brought him to the club. And what the president of Naples did is he not only brought Maradona, but they brought some other really good players as well. And uh, uh, Maradona uh, led them to two league championships. Yes. Uh, the year I left Italy, eighty-seven, they won it, and then they won it again in 89 and I think there was a European might have been a UEFA Cup or a Cup Winners Cup maybe a UEFA Cup they won with I him as they well did, yes. and on top of that Eamon he won the World Cup in 86 probably on his own you know yes. and just to um, I mean there's always this debate I don't like it and you probably don't like it either Pele last week or a couple of weeks ago came out and said I was the best Maradona was the next and then Messi. I don't like that kind of talk because great players are great players and I'm sure you agree with that. Well, if, I, if you put me on the spot and said it was the best player I ever played against, I would have said it was, uh, it was Maradona. But I played against some great players and I played against them, yeah, a lot of them in Italy, I mean. Michel Platini uh, was some player. 83, 84, 85 in, in Italy for a kind of a... What we'd say is an inside forward in our day. He, yes. he wasn't really an out-and-out midfield player. Or he wasn't an out-and-out centre forward. He was that. He was that in between. But he scored. Uh, no, in those three years, eighty-three, eighty-four, eighty-five, he was uh, the Italian league's top goal scorer, and yeah. he was in about in and around the twenty mark, and that was thirty games. That name. So, eighteen yeah. goals and thirty games. Twenty goals and thirty games. Like to give you to give you an indication, Ian Rush came to came to Juventus uh, the year after Platini retired, and Ian Rush scored eight goals yeah. in twenty eight games. And Ian so Rush was a great goal scorer. Platini. Yeah, he was a great goal scorer. Yes. But it, it was difficult to score goals in Italy, and for yes. for Platini to to do what he did, and I think demonstrates how brilliant a player he was. And that was exactly the time, Liam when I was saying that he wasn't a great player, he was only a good player. 
<laughs> well, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I think it was the 88 uh, Euros, wasn't it? In no, France, it was so before it was, that. It was the 80, 84 Euros or 86. No, I beg your pardon. You're absolutely right. It was the 84 Euros <laughs> in France. Uh, 88, was us, uh, 88 was us in Stuttgart, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, with Big Jack. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was in France. And I remember <laughs> watching you on RTE. <laughs> and you were giving him plenty of stick, and I think he scored nine goals in six games, and France won the Euros. He did, yeah. He scored a hat-trick, I think, in the <laughs> semi-final, and I said to Bill, before the match, he's going to be found out today, Bill. He's going to be found out. Well, when you're a pundit, you have to stick your neck out, Eamon, and you've stuck it out plenty of times. <laughs> anyway, it's been delightful. I just want to ask you a final question, Liam, about uh, Rummenigge. Uh, who is still a very important figure at Bayern Munich and in the German game, and a very, by all uh, signs, a very intelligent man. You played with him um, at Inter Milan, and all of the people. That whole experience for you, um, it's it's given you a sort of an insight into a culture and developed you as a person. Uh, and enriched your life, uh, and indeed Sarah's as well. It, it was a great thing to do. Ah, uh, yeah, I've absolutely no regrets. I, I probably regret going to Ascoli. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, what it promised to be, and uh, I was quite unhappy there. But the other six years, uh, six seasons I had in Italy, uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And, and uh, we talked about some of the players that were playing there. I played with some great players as well. Uh, and Rumenigo was was up there. If, if, so someone says to me, Who's the best player you played against? I would say Maradona. And who's the best player you played with? I'd have to say Rumenigge because he was one of those centre forwards that he could get the ball and do it all on his own, Eamon. Yeah. And he was a great lad as well. We were roommates right. and uh, we had a smashing time together. Uh, we were kind of neighbours where we lived as well, so we socialised quite a bit. Uh, and uh, it was it was a great time. It really was a great time. Um, well, we're very very grateful to you, Liam. Uh, for reliving us with us and uh, with uh, our listeners. Um, you made a massive contribution uh, to, I think, your own reputation and reputation of English and Irish footballers uh, by the way you conducted yourself there. Uh, it was a glorious time for football uh, and for you. And we're very... very well, uh, Eamon, when you want to speak to me, I'm here and I look like I'm going to be locked down for another... <laughs> few weeks so you're very welcome and I just want to say to all our listeners just be safe and yeah. uh, be careful and the same to you Liam uh, we're very grateful to Liam one of our greatest sportsmen in any discipline um, and uh, the, that particular um, seven years he spent in Italy did an enormous amount of good for the reputation of Irish people uh, we'd like to thank all of you for listening uh, to our podcast that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.